please find in your Bibles um, Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 19. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 19, please. I'm going to be reading from the NASB. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. And if you extract the preacher from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. For, for they, for their part, may turn to you. But as for you, you must not turn to them. Let's pray. My Lord Jesus, we ask you to guide us today in the exposition of this message that can speak to our souls and minds and that can help us to be every day more and more like you. Until you come for us or take us there with you, we put ourselves in your hands in your business name. Amen. All right, our message today will be more like a Bible study. So let's get ready for that. In our opening verse, Jeremiah 15, 19, uh, we're going to be using it at the beginning and also at the end of the sermon. It actually resumes the title and purpose we pretend to cover today. Uh, today's message title is Against the Current. Against the current, please keep this in mind. We're going to use it later. And hopefully at the end of the sermon, we will reach the purpose of learn and commit to apply in our lives the requirements of heaven. This is the purpose. I'll say it again. Learn and commit to apply in our lives the requirements of heaven. Uh, so let's take a quick look to our opening verse, Jeremiah 15, 19. I'll read it again. Therefore, that says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. And if you extract the preacher from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for their part, may turn to you. But as for you, you must not turn to them. Uh, if, you, if you can notice, there are two actions that uh, Jeremiah must take in, in this verse. Both of them, you're, you're going to recognize them by the words, if you, if you. The first, if you, if you return, the very few, if you extract. Uh, these two actions require for Jeremiah. Um, we must just uh, wonder, why did Jeremiah have to, have to return just to give you a little background, uh, Jeremiah was actually preaching against uh, Jerusalem, against all their sins. And uh, Jerusalem at this point was surrounded by, by the Babylonian army. Uh, but Jeremiah was the only one telling everybody, guys, repent, guys, repent. And against his message, there were hundreds of false prophets telling exactly the opposite. At a certain point, uh, it was like if Jeremiah uh, asked, or uh, he was wondering, hey, am I right? Uh, I am the only one saying something, and all the rest of the guys are telling entirely the opposite. Am I right? And at some point, he lost his path. At some point, he lost uh, the message, and he started to complain. He was complaining before God, and God told him, you know what? If you return, I will restore you. So, 
Yes, he was lost. Um, he lost the path. So the Lord made two promises in, in this first, if you. The first promise was, um, I will restore you. That means he will want to put him back on his feet, back to the right path. And the second promise was, um, before me you will stand. That means that he was going to stand again before uh, the Lord. The second, if you, is very interesting. If you extract, notice the, the word is a, is a heavy word, extract, the precious from the worthless. So um, also at some point, you know, I started to use the same vocabulary, the same words, the same ideas that the others uh, guys uh, were doing. And the Lord is telling him in, in this occasion, you know what, Jeremiah? From all those things, I want you to exactly identify what is precious, what, what has value, and reject everything that is worthless, meaningless, useless. Choose what has value only, what is precious. God promises to Jeremiah that he will be as God's mouth. Actually, in the original, it says exactly, you will be my mouth. That is the real um, meaning of, of these words. So, and the verse ends, referring to Jeremiah that he does not have to convert to them, but they are the ones who are to convert, turn to Jeremiah. Uh, the New Living Translation renders this part uh, in this way. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. All right. Let's set up here with Jeremiah 15, 19. We're going to retake it at the end of the of the sermon, and let's find our main portion for today. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10, uh, 2 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 12, please. Let me read for you. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your, your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, this is going to be, we're going to spend uh, most of our time on, 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 the, on this part of, of the Bible. And let's take a, a quick look to the structure of the, of the verses. It, they have a very interesting structure. Uh, they have basically three parts. You will notice three parts in, the, in these verses. The first part, we, we can call it motivation. And it is, uh, you're going to identify by the word blessed. It is the same motivation for all the Beatitudes. Uh, the second uh, part is the condition or requirement. It is right in the center. It might sound like if it is negative, pouring the spirit, 
dog mourn, the gentle, those hunger and thirst for righteousness, etc. And the third part is the promissory word. Uh, there's like, you know, heaven, they shall be comforted, they shall inherit the earth, they shall be satisfied. So um, I needed to identify the three parts, the motivation, the condition, and the promise or uh, uh, reward. Now, um, notice something interesting in, in this structure. If we don't have the condition or requirement, we cannot have the motivation. If we don't have the condition of, uh, or, uh, Requirement, we cannot have the promise or reward. Basically, the condition is the center, the condition is the core of this, the condition is the heart of the Beatitudes, and we need to have these conditions in order to have the motivation and in order to have the promise or uh, reward. That is the first thing that I want you to see. Now, normally, I wouldn't put attention to, to the conditions. We put attention to that motivation. Oh, yes, we want to be blessed. Of course, we want to be blessed. Or we put, we put more attention to the promise or reward. Yes, we want to be comforted. We want to inherit the earth. We want to be satisfied, etc. But for some reason, we just jump the condition. And we're going to focus today just in the uh, condition. Now, notice also that um, the promise or reward... Verse 3, to find the, the opening promise. And notice at the, ver at the verb. The verb is in present tense. Is. And what it means is, the poor in the spirit actually, right now, uh, on uh, the kingdom of heaven. But uh, go all the way to verse 10. To this other uh, condition that persecute for righteousness sake. And notice that promissory word. It's the same one. It's the same one. It is, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is known, this is an Hebraism, and it is uh, like saying we're opening, we're closing, and everything in between is exactly what we must to uh, comply or, or have. So uh, this is another interesting thing. And in, regard, in regards to the promises or rewards, notice that in all cases, they are heavenly, they are eternal, they are personal, they are given by God, not earned, not earthly, no way to imitate or replace uh, their future, not desirable in our actual society. Of course, that society will reject all this. Um, they are not actual problem solvers. They require faith, hope, sacrifice, and listen to this, it's very interesting, diametrically opposed to this present society's thinking and aspirations. So, um, after seeing the, these uh, details on the organization or the structure of the Beatitudes, we can ask some, ourselves some questions. First question, do these qualities describe different persons? I mean, can we have someone who is poor in the spirit but not gentle? Can we have someone who mourns but not merciful, it doesn't make sense, right? So it means that all of the conditions must be in one person, in the same person. Every person must have all of them. Second question, what are these qualities for? Are they important? 
um, are they just like a nice purpose or goals that we can set for our life? Like every December, you remember, every December we set goals. I'm going to lose pounds. I'm going to lose whatever. Is something, uh, some kind of motivation to become better people? What are they exactly? Another question might be, are they of practical use? Can I use them every day? Can I use them at home? Can I use them at, at, at work? Can I use them with my neighbors? So uh, there are many questions, uh, and we're going to try to answer all these questions ahead. We're going to make uh, now a pause on the study of the Beatitudes, and we're going to see how the Beatitudes fit in the context. This is going to be really, really interesting. I love it. Uh, the Beatitudes in context. The book of Matthew has a theme. The book of Matthew presents Jesus, proclaims Jesus as king. From chapter 1 all the way to chapter 28, you will find, you will see that all, all uh, Matthew's effort is to show to everybody, to the audience, that Jesus is king. For example, chapter 1, genealogy. Normally we jump the genealogies, right? We say, ah, oh, this is boring. But uh, the genealogy has the purpose of showing that Jesus is exactly in David's line. Therefore, he has the right, the legal right to be king. And interestingly, um, the verse 1 says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I was wondering, why is he mentioning David? Why is he mentioning Abraham? We both of them, God made a pact. David, he made a pact with David that his kingdom was going to be forever. So he was having Jesus as the conclusion of this. And Abraham, also he had a pact with God. And through him, all the nations were going to be blessed. So... Jesus was exactly uh, the end of these promises for him. So chapter 1 is showing us that Jesus is actually legally entitled to uh, be the king. Chapter 2, notice that chapter 2. Jesus was recognized, worshipped, and given presents by the wise men, the Magi. Uh, actually, they were called king makers. Uh, the verse in chapter 2, verse 2, is very interesting. Also, it says, uh, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Put attention to what he, they were saying. He, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They were looking for the king. And not only that, Look next. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So chapter 1 through the, through the genealogy is showing us that Jesus has the right to become king. Uh, chapter 2 is telling us that he was recognized to be a king. Let's see chapter 3. King Jesus is introduced, announced, proclaimed by John the Baptist. John the Baptist, like in the Old Testament, the, the kings always had someone who was opening the, the way, preparing the way for the king because the king was coming. In this case, we have John the Baptist doing this for the king. Not, not only that, during baptism, he was anointed in the same way the kings were anointed in the past, and he was recognized, accepted, 
announced by the Father. So chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 are showing us that Jesus is king. Chapter 4, <laughs> something beautiful comes. Chapter 4, the only and real king, our Lord Jesus, in his first direct battle with the usurper, the so-called king. When I, and when Adam and Eve sinned, when they fell, this emptiness of power was taken by Satan, and he called himself king. Now, uh, the real king, the only king, was in this time uh, in, in a battle, in a war, with a false king. Satan tried to do three things. The first one, he tried to divide Jesus from the Father. When he told him that he could satisfy the needs on his own, he didn't need the Father. He just ordered these stones to become bread apart from the Father. So, um, did it work? No, it didn't. Then, uh, Satan tried Jesus to play the, declare the word that we actually listen it in many places. Declare the word, declare the word, declare that you can do this, you can do that. Because he told him, you know what? Jump from the pinnacle of the temple. Don't worry about it, because uh, the, uh, God is going to send his angels. They would catch you up on the, on the earth. You won't be hurt. Did it work? No. But what Satan actually wanted from Jesus was that, that Jesus misused the word of God, that Jesus belittled God's plan for salvation. Didn't work. Then, the third uh, temptation. He was lying by offering what's not his. He told Jesus, all this, showing all the kings of the world, all this has been given to me. Who gave it to him? No one. He took it. He was the usurper. That's why you have in Revelation chapter 5, uh, the Lord Jesus uh, breaking the, the seals. Uh, okay, that's going to be another study. Uh, but, uh, so what he wanted what, for Jesus was to, for Jesus to take the easy way. The same thing he does for many of us. Uh, he wanted Jesus to take the easy way just on your knees and, and uh, praise me, adore me, worship me, and everything will be yours. Did it work? No. King Jesus won this battle. So, four chapters in a row showing us that Jesus is king. And at the end of chapter four, uh, you will find Jesus um, choosing uh, his first disciples. Now, if the first four chapters are presenting Jesus as king, then the Beatitudes must be aligned with the same purpose Matthew had in mind. There's no way that the Beatitudes are going to be separated from, from the theme that's coming uh, in this order. So, Jesus wanted to, uh, I mean, Matthew wanted to introduce Jesus as king, his kingdom and its characteristics, and the people of seven who are members of it, and the qualities they must have. And here exactly in the qualities that the servants of the kingdom must have is exactly where the Beatitudes fit. This is the function of the Beatitudes, to describe the qualities of the servants of the kingdom. And uh, who are those members of the kingdom of God? Therefore, the Beatitudes are ours too. Remember this point. We, you and me, are also members of the kingdom of God. 
If we are members of the kingdom of God, therefore, the Beatitudes are also for us. The, the Beatitudes' purpose, as stated before, the position of the Beatitudes within the context follows a logic pattern. And we see here the king seated. Now, having Jesus sitting means authority into this uh, cultural context. And he called his disciples, now members of the kingdom, and he was going to start the instruction and explanations of the kingdom. Utilizing the, all the favorite tools used in Hebrew, which is the contrasting of ideas positive against negative to make a point. The new disciples and members of the new kingdom ought to understand the qualities, the characteristics of the kingdom of God, and the acute differences with what they understand as the normal way. This point took a long, long way for them to catch. Okay. We're going to try to get a little deeper in the meaning of the, of the Beatitudes. Just let me be clear on this. Let me explain this. This is not a very deep study on the Beatitudes, what I'm going to do uh, next. Uh, maybe in the future we can find a way to, to study the whole Sermon on the Mount. Uh, will be a blessing for all of us. But this time I just want to give an idea on the meaning of the, of the Beatitudes. We are just scratching the surface in reality. The, con the motivation. Remember the motivation? Which is the motivation? I forgot it totally. Blessed, blessed, blessed. It's repeating all around. Maybe blessed is not the best uh, rendering, it's not the best translation, but the original word is Macarius in, in Greek. And the meaning of this word, Macarius, is happy, full of happiness. Uh, someone who is so happy that people around envy this person. His uh, fortune and happiness of a person, the state of the person whose physical and mental conditions provide a feeling of satisfaction and tranquility. It involves the whole of that person, body and spirit. So actually the, the word blessed totally means full of happiness. Someone who is jumping all around, but this happiness is not something we very from the outside, but it's coming from the inside. Opposite to this word is negative, sad, unsatisfied, sick, empty, stressed, no peace of mind. I'm going to be using the opposite words in order to reinforce that, that meaning. Poor in spirit, now the conditions, poor in spirit means to crouch, becoming a beggar, Someone who bends the, the back because he's so, so low. Uh, he's a pauper. Um, absolute mendicancy, distress, indigent, bankrupt, insolvent. The opposite, proud, arrogant, high esteem, bold, powerful. Those who mourn. The word mourn means to grieve, to wail, to lament, to have a deep, deep sadness. Opposite is joyful, laugh, be happy, exalt, be content, approved, consult. Gentle, the word gentle means humble, meek, submissive. Uh, I always had problems pronouncing this word. That's all, that's all. Uh, Opposite is bossy, self-confident, fierce, hefty, aggressive, mean. 
Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, hunger, someone who famish to crave, to be in hunger, to be completely unsatisfied, and the word thirst is um, someone who is in urgent, who want, to is starving to death, age, longing. Opposite to this word is satisfied, disregard, lack of concern, it's your problem, me first, antipathy, apathy, ignore. The merciful, the word merciful is very interesting. It's compassionate, kind, gentle, clement, sympathetic, tolerant. Opposite is cruel, merciless, harsh, heartless, pitiless, brutal, callous, mean. Pure in heart, this word pure in heart, we have two, two words here, pure and heart. Pure means clean, clear, pure, almost like transparent, no spots at all. In the heart is thoughts, feelings, mind, the being. Opposite is dirty, filthy, foul, dreadful, impure, horrible, cunning, evil, wild, vile, be, uh, wicked. Peacemaker is a pacificatory, founder and promoter of peace, someone who is going to do everything on his power, on his hand, to keep things uh, peacefully. Uh, opposed as instigator, troublemaker, agitator, bellicist, rebel, contentious. Persecuted, this word persecuted, to flee, to press forward, to be harassed, to be oppressed. Opposite is comfort, pleased, command, at easy, accepted. Revile, to be defamed. Uh, even the, the person who is reviling is um, cutting his teeth, reproach, revile. And evil is harmful, calamitous, um, disease, culpable, vicious, etc. Opposed to this is praise, admired, commend, acclaim, applaud, eulogize, exalt. So, with everything we have done here, we are, I'm just trying for all of us to have a, a little deeper idea on, on the meaning of, of, of those words, but we can get uh, some conclusions. First one, the described person, the one who is living under all these uh, conditions, is someone who permanently, constantly is living according to these conditions. It's not on and off. He knows it is not just Sundays at church, but he's applying this, living this, living this all the time. Second, it is not a suggestion. It is not some good ideas. It is not some uh, good purpose that we can have in life. These ones are living demands from God. If they don't have them, they don't belong to the kingdom. That is the thing. That is the situation. Um, they had to have these conditions in order to show that they belong to the kingdom. Three, are in total opposition to this society's mindset. These conditions are in total opposition to this society's mindset. The culture in which we live and interact daily don't love this. The described person definitely does not belong to this world, reason why the rewards are not of this world either. And listen to this conclusion. We are this described person. You and me are the described persons or we are not. 
we are or we are not. We must evaluate ourselves and determine what needs to be done, whether please this world or please our family or please our neighbors or please our bosses or please our peers or please ourselves or please the system or please God. If we please God, we might lose contracts. We might become losers in many cases, but we're not gaining everything with God. Another conclusion. The described person is swimming against the current. Swimming against the current, therefore, won't be easy. Especially that many of us have adopted ourselves to this world's mindset. Many of us, in some way, exactly the same that happened to Jeremiah. Seven, it's impossible to live according to these beatitudes on our own. We must have the Holy Spirit support and live according to his word. And that's why this same is titled Against the Current. Now, we're going to make a comparison. We're going to make a contrast with two kind of people. We're going to contrast the God's servant and the world's servant. The God's servant and the world's servant. Now, just let's uh, remind the conditions of the God's servant. The God's servant is put in the spirit. He mourns. He's meek, gentle, hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He's merciful. He's pure in heart. He's a peacemaker. He's persecuted for righteousness' sake. He has reviled, persecuted, and other kinds of evil against him or her falsely because of God. This person, well, doesn't look so attractive, eh? But according to the Bible, listen to this. They are the conquerors of revelations. Do you remember revelations? Chapter 2, chapter 3, the seven letters to the seven churches. Do you remember how every letter ends? To the one who conquers. To the one who conquers. To all seven letters end with the same phrase. To the one who conquers. Who are the conquerors? These ones. God's servants. Secondly, they satisfy God. Thirdly, they will live forever in the presence of God and Jesus. Fourthly, God is their father. Something beautiful. Do you remember Proverbs? Proverbs basically is contrasting two kind of people. The wise and the fool, right? So, this God's servants is the wise people from Proverbs. They please God. They are supported by God. All this sounds beautiful. But according to this society where we are living, where we interact every day, these ones are losers. These ones are weak. These ones are stupid. These ones are fools. These ones are out of place. What about the word servant? Well, let's see the characteristic of the word servant. The world's servant is proud, arrogant. He's in high esteem, bold, powerful, joyful. He's always happy, content, approved, bossy, self-confident, fierce, hefty, aggressive, satisfied, um, lack of concern, your, is your problem of mine, me first, antipathy, cruel, merciless, harsh, heartless, dirty, filthy, foul, dreadful, uh, instigator, troublemaker, agitator, bellicist, comfort, pleased, commanded, at easy, praised, admired, commended, acclaimed, applauded, exalted, etc. These are the world's servants. 
And if you remember, through the social media, through internet, through television, through the movies, they're always pushing this kind of example that, that we must follow. But according to the Bible, these ones are rejected. These ones are condemned. These ones are hated by God. These ones are reproved. These ones are unknown by God. Do you remember when uh, Lord, the Lord Jesus said it on Matthew chapter 7? When someone told Jesus, hey, but Jesus, in your name I did this. In your name I did that. Do you remember Jesus' answer? I never knew you. I know my God. Satan is their father, are the fool from Proverbs, and supported by God. But according to this society in which we live and where we interact, these ones are the winners, role models, smart, influencers, leaders, admired. All right, so let's check now that we have a better understanding on the, on the Beatitudes, let's check a little bit about its application. The disciples, they were chosen and called a few days before. They didn't have a deeper idea on, on the meaning of the kingdom of God. Keep this in mind. They were just next to Jesus, listening what he was teaching, all this that we're talking about. And they didn't know that suddenly they turned to be from fishermen to be light and salt. And Jesus told them. Jesus never asked them, would you like to be light of the world? Um, could you consider becoming salt? No. Just told them, you are the light of the world. You are the salt. So against darkness, ignorance, against evil. Now, being salt, being light can only be achieved by being a person who lives by the principles and the Beatitudes. There's no other way. Verse 16, in the same chapter, chapter 5 says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The only way the people around us, the ones who don't know the Lord Jesus, will notice that we are different from them is that they will see our good works. How do we answer? What is our vocabulary? Do we do the same things they do? Another application. Now that they have the change, now the disciples have to change the traditional way the Jewish religious system had taught them to live their daily life. Chapters 5, 6, 7 of Matthew describe the next. They were taught by the Pharisees, they were taught by tradition, how to keep the law, how to handle uh, anger, how uh, last, divorce, oath, retaliation, enmity, giving, how to properly pray, fasting, treasures in heaven, anxiety, judging others, trusting God, the golden rule, choosing the right way and door, uh, fruitful, life, fruitful life, being a union believer, having the right foundation, etc. All this, they were, they were taught one way. By, do you remember how Jesus told them? Jesus told them, you were told that but now I tell you. Now Jesus was teaching the right 
way to see all this. There's no way to do all this, which is basically something we do in our daily life without the principles and the beatitudes. Let's ask ourselves this question. Our Lord Jesus, did he live by the principles and the beatitudes? Well, let me read for you Philippians 2, 5, 8. Philippians 2, 5, 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely. Our Lord Jesus lived according to the principles and the Beatitudes. What about Paul? What about Paul? Well, First Corinthians 4, 8, 13, tell us this. You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become as a spectacle to the world both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak but you are strong. You are distinguished but we are with honor. To this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless and we toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become at the scum of the world that drags of all things, even until now. So yes, Paul lived according to the principles on the Beatitudes. But let me read for you, and this is going to be like a challenge for you and me. Verse 16 in the same... Um, Chapter 1 Corinthians 4. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. <laughs> what about the disciples? The disciples apply the principles and the abilities to their daily life. Well, Mark 10, 35 through 45 tells us something very interesting. Uh, in this uh, portion, we find John and, and, and James, the son of Zebedee, who were talking to Jesus in another gospel. Uh, they even involved their, their mom to convince Jesus about um, uh, they, wa they want Jesus to grant it to sit, one at, at his right and the other one uh, at his left in his glory. Virtually, they wanted. They wanted to be better than the other ones. They want to be on top of the other ones. And Jesus told them no. But uh, listen what happened next. And when the ten, the other ten, heard it, they began to be indignant. Why? Because they were the one who wanted want to be there. They, they, they wanted to be the first instead of them. But James and John were uh, we're taking their place. So they got indignant, not because uh, uh, they were thinking 
something higher about them. But Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give life as a ransom for many. And if we are honest with ourselves, in many occasions we act like them. My last example. So we had uh, Lord Jesus, we had Paul, we had the disciples. Now, my last example ourselves, you and me. Where are we at on this? What about us? What's our thinking on the Beatitudes? Is this something unreal? Is it just for the disciples on that time, but not for us today, in 2023? Do we live by the qualities on the abilities, or do we live by the principles of this world? We must examine ourselves and take the right decisions, as of today in some cases. Our challenge. We have to accept that many of us have bought from the society and its philosophy, many ideas and behaviors that affect basically everything in us. We speak like them, act like them, take decisions based on their lines of thinking. John, the Apostle John gives us this piece of advice. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and proud life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God advise forever. I have one more portion, but we no longer have time. But I want to give you a, a homework. Please, when you get home, find Ephesians 4, 17, all the way to uh, chapter 5, 21. Ephesians 4, 17 through... Chapter 521 is a large portion. Uh, read it five times, 10 times, 15 times, 20 times, as many as it is necessary. And find, as uh, Jeremiah had to do, uh, find all the application of the principles on the Beatitudes on this part. And this work on ourselves. Okay, let's end. Our opening verse, do you remember our opening verse on the Jeremiah? 15:19 says, Therefore, thus is the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me you will stand, and if you extract a preacher from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They for their part may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. This opening verse firmly established this truth. First truth, let's turn to our God. He's willing to restore us and use us. Second, let's proclaim his truth, his word, his principles, his demands establishing his word. And let's get rid of the worst vocabulary and mindset. Let's identify what's precious and let's make it part of our daily life. Thirdly, never, ever 
let's copy them or submit to them or allow them to influence our minds with their ideas and tendencies. They are the ones who have to convert to us, not us to them. And finally, do you remember the purpose of this teaching? Have we learned the heaven's requirements? And are we going to apply them in our daily living? That was the purpose originally. Let's pray. My Lord Jesus, we confess, we confess that we are not live in accordance with your will. And in many, many, too many occasions, we have acted like the world. We are not clean, our white, fine linen garments are filthy, dirty. We are not as holy as we should, even as we already are by our Lord Jesus in your presence. Please help us. We need you. Give us the strength to stand up in your presence, to love your word, and to live by your word only. Help us heal the reward you have prepared for us. Instead of the false happiness and illusions this world gives. Help us humble ourselves before you at all times, in all situations, and under any circumstances. Help us accept what you have already given us or what you have denied us because we want to live and please to you alone. Blessed be your name forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.